Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Hello, other broadcasters on TV and radio. Welcome. Welcome, scribes from all over the country, as we begin our program. You know, it's a funny thing, Mr. Producer. You've been with me almost from the beginning, haven't you? And that's 2002, thereabouts. You were with me 2003, I started in 2002. Soon it'll be 20 years. You know, for 20 years, even before I was on radio, I was focused on the immigration issue. The immigration issue. We led the effort here, and we were the first. Millions of you, activists, to oppose this so-called gang of eight, and comprehensive immigration reform, which would have been a disaster. You, you Levinites, you lit up the boards on Capitol Hill. You flooded Capitol Hill with emails, and you were successful. It would have been a disaster. These various proposals coming out of the Washington establishment have been disasters. But you've stopped them. My book, Liberty and Tyranny, which was written uh, about 12 years ago. Yeah, 12 years ago. It's an entire chapter there on immigration. And it's not the only book in which I raise it, of course. I raise it in Plunder and Deceit. But we've talked at length here, at great length, about what the Democrats are doing with immigration. We've talked at great length over the years, particularly the last four and five years, 
over how they're using immigration to turn red states purple and purple states blue. We've talked about California many times, where Republicans couldn't lose and now they can't win. Where over 40% of the population is now Latino, much of it illegal. And the Latino population votes two-thirds to the three-fourths Democrat. It's just the way it is. We've talked here many times about how the Democrats and the Democrat media talk about browning America. Wanting to brown America in order to have an effect on the outcome of the elections. They use the language, not me. We've talked about how Barack Obama and Joe Biden, in particular, have raised this issue. And they do it in the context of wanting to change the demographics and change the citizenry. So we've talked about this for almost 20 years. I've written about it repeatedly. But apparently some columnists don't listen to this show and have no idea that I'm on the air, Mr. Producer. How many listeners do we have? 14 million? 15 million? A lot of people don't understand, you do, ladies and gentlemen, the reach of talk radio and specifically this program. There are more listeners to this program than are viewers of any news cable program. Period. That's why Rush was so massive. And Sean is so massive also because of his radio audience. And my magnificent audience, you. And now I want to turn to the U.S. Supreme Court. This is another issue on which we've led. The very first book I wrote was about the Supreme Court. I think it was like 16 years ago, actually. 16 years ago. When Chuck Schumer threatened two justices on the court, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, August 2019, we led the charge here that what he had done was not only utterly unethical, and he would create potentially violence, incite an insurrection, you might say, against the Supreme Court. He did it on the Supreme Court steps. But I made it clear then, and I made it clear repeatedly thereafter, that Schumer's intention was to threaten the court and the justices so that they would not take cases that he doesn't like or issue rulings that would offend him. As soon as the idea of packing the court was resurrected, we said exactly the same thing, that what they're trying to do here and scare the members of the court from doing their jobs. That's exactly what they've been doing. Including in this last election when it came to those two Pennsylvania cases. And I would add the Texas case as well. These were legitimate federal constitutional cases. The court ducked. Why? Because the Democrats and Schumer had already put the marker out there that they wanted to pack the court. So when they meet in their cloistered chamber, I have no, I, no doubt that they talk about this and they think about this. And it's had an impact. So now we have a couple of the more radical members of the Democrat Party, which means most of them, proposing 
to add four seats to the United States Supreme Court, to go from nine to 13. And they'll tell you, well, you know, the Constitution doesn't say we have to have nine. It doesn't. And the numbers have changed in the past, and they have, but not for this reason. An argument has never been made, even when the numbers have been adjusted in the past, to change the number of members of Supreme Court justices for the purpose of advancing a political party's ideology and agenda. That argument has never been made until now. Until now. And so this entire effort is, as I've been saying and as I will continue to say, is intended to effect the court. So even if they don't get what they want, and I'm not so sure they may not, they know that what they're doing is threatening the court without the possibility of an ethics complaint filed against them. Oh, we're just talking about the court and filing you know, legislation and so forth. Because these people are destroying our constitutional construct. It's in the way of their Marxist agenda. Now I want you to know something, and we'll continue with this and some other issues. It's a packed program today, like every day. I want you to know that I am not taking this sitting down. That I've got a couple projects under the way. These projects that are underway include exposing who these leftists are, changing the way we talk about them, digging into the issues, digging in who's behind it. And I understand there's some columnists out there who do not listen to this show and have no idea what I'm talking about and have never read any of my books. That's okay. I've got millions of you out there. Because we have to change the narrative here. We've got to take the battle, the political battle, the constitutional battle, the ideas battle, to our enemy. Not our adversary. They're not adversaries. They're enemies. That's the way they view us. It's the way I view them. So with all of this in mind, I'll be right back. in. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. So start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com.
Before we proceed with uh, some of the issues I've been talking about, I wanted to talk to James O'Keefe about uh, what Twitter just did to him and his organization. Apparently, they banned you permanently. Is that correct, James? That's right, Mark. Uh, Twitter sent me uh, a message today, an email, saying that they've permanently suspended me for, quote, operating fake accounts. But, Mark, that just isn't true. I have no fake accounts. This, of course, comes on the heels of the CNN videos we released a third today. So this is crazy. I mean, this is beyond George Orwell at this point, essentially. And, and uh, um, I, 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 I'm going to sue. I'm going to be suing Twitter for defamation. I'm filing a complaint and filing it on Monday, and I'm filing a lawsuit against Twitter for saying that I've operated fake accounts. Other people have impersonated me. They still remain on Twitter, so I don't know what is going on, but we're going to go on offense. May I make a couple suggestions to you in your litigation? Sure. In addition to defamation, I'm of the opinion that the people who keep saying, well, Twitter's a private company, I believe when you consider Twitter and Facebook and their ties to this administration and the Democrat Party, I believe they're surrogates for the Democrat Party and they're surrogates for this administration. And I really think you all ought to consider a straight-up, in addition to defamation, First Amendment lawsuit. You can point out how it's, there's various information and research out there, how they do, in fact, have ties to the Democrat Party with the various executives, how they do, in fact, contribute overwhelmingly to the Democrat Party, how they've conducted themselves over the course of the last several months in favor of the Democrat Party and against the Republicans and, and Donald Trump that this isn't some uh, fan dance that they can get away with. That, among other things, I would argue, it is in fact, given their, uh, their ties to the government and given their ties to the majority party in the government, that in fact this could well be a First Amendment issue. You should, you should talk to your lawyers about that. I will. Thank you for that. And as your audience and you may know, they have protection under the so-called Section 230 immunity. But you know what doesn't protect them? acting in willful disregard for the truth and lying about a public figure such as myself. You can't do that under the law. I can prove that here. I will get discovery into Twitter, just like I get discovery into the New York Times and New York Supreme Court, which we won on that motion, and we're entering discovery and videotaped depositions. We will be filing a complaint against Twitter on Monday. We're also exploring our options to sue Twitter in other countries. It's, it's, it's about time we all start suing these people. I There's agree. no other recourse. 100%. And you know, that Section 230 does not trump the Constitution of the United States. Nothing does. So none of these statutes do. Uh, I'm not, this isn't some wild idea. You know, I've been involved in a lot of litigation, as a matter of fact. And... Uh, the other thing, again, you might want to think about, and I want Twitter to hear this too, is tortious interference with your business. That is, uh, it's important that you get the message out. You have people who watch what you produce. You have people who contribute to you. Uh, you're not a billionaire uh, like the people behind Twitter and so forth. So tortious interference with your, your business is, again, a separate tort unrelated to that Section 230. Just a few ideas out there I wanted to give to you. Um, and this is outrageous, and you should litigate. And you're right to tell other people, don't take this lying down. Now, what I've done is I've moved my millions and millions of people off Twitter, I hope they have, and Facebook, because they can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. They're stealing our data. They're becoming extremely wealthy from it. They don't have our permission to use it. And my view is, I don't want to deal with these fools anymore. 
And so we're over at Parlor, and of course, and uh, Rumble. But I think your, your principled stand is very, very important. Any final words? Well, Mark, the, my final word is that um, uh, we've won in New York Supreme Court, I believe, one of the few plaintiffs in modern history to, to get discovery into the New York Times. And Project Veritas is, is, is about truth. We are truth. CNN, that what you saw these tapes this week, that guy calling themselves propaganda and saying they put words in people's mouths and they're uh, an adjunct to the Biden campaign to their words. They called, they, this is the director at CNN. And they partner with Twitter and Google. And they work with each other. There's no other option. I never thought I'd have to sue all these people, but that's unfortunately what I have to do. And a lot of other people are going to follow in our footsteps. We're going to sue them on Monday. Harmeet Dillon will represent me in that action. And we're going to sue him probably in the country of Brazil. We're going on offense. We will get discovery. I will depose Jack Dorsey under oath on video, and I will prove malice. And you will see those tapes, mark my words, in the next year. And Veritas tips at ProtonMail.com for anybody who's been defamed by these people, because I think we need to create an army of people to go on offense. Now, litigation is not cheap. Do you need support from the audience? I, I'm yes. I, I'm a nonprofit organization. I don't have the money to pay this, but I have faith that people will step up and and support this. I can't afford this. I'm, this is, there's no commercial imperative. I, I'm a nonprofit organization. By the grace of God and the patriotism of your audience and other audiences, people contribute. It cost me a quarter million dollars to get past motion to dismiss the New York Times. But I'll tell you right now, usually after motion to dismiss, they settle litigation. Dean Paquet could offer me $10 million. I'm not taking his money. Our mission is about discovery. That's what this is about. I want to know why they lied about, uh, called our videos deceptive disinformation, said I operate fake accounts. That's a ridiculous claim. I've never operated a fake Twitter account in my life. And reckless disregard for the truth is not allowed under the First Amendment. And, and even that New York Times versus Sullivan case in 1964 one day may be overturned as a result of all this litigation. You shouldn't lie about people in this fashion. It's hurting our republic. It's not ethical. And the only thing these people respond to is power. They can't be reasoned with. They can't be shamed. I've, I've released tapes all week on CNN. The guy's calling their own network propaganda. They want people to die so the COVID numbers go up and give them better ratings. And, and Zucker doesn't say a word. So now I've got to sue, and I never thought I'd do it, Mark. I don't, I don't, I'm not a, an attorney. I, I'm learning, but we have one against the New York Times. And that All right, before, before I have the hard break, what is the simplest link? Where should people go? ProjectVeritas.com. You can donate to us there. That's ProjectVeritas.com. Mr. Producer, let's go ahead and put it on our uh, Rumble and our parlor, where we have 5.5 million followers. Everybody, let's help out. James O'Keefe and his organization. They need it, and we need them. Thank you, James, and good luck. We'll be right back. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show, and my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. 
Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for no cost every month. So start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, speaking to the four out of five Americans who are literate at 877-381-3811. These major corporations, and I'll get to them later, that are signing on to the Democrat Party agenda, trying to ensure the Republican Party can never win the presidency, the Senate, or the House of Representatives ever again, because that's what this is all about. These state legislatures are trying to put back the status quo before the virus and before the Democrats went into court, and their governors, and their secretaries of state, and their attorneys general changed the rules to accommodate Joe Biden. And so the Democrat Party is insisting that Republicans not defend themselves. Now, I want to be clear. We'll put another marker down. I want to be clear. This is the end of the support for corporations from conservatives and real Republicans. So in the end, they'll have no core group of support. Because those of us who supported corporations in the past supported free market capitalism and competition. These corporations lining up behind the Democrat Party and the ideological left don't support that. They're colluding with the most radical elements of the Democrat Party. They're colluding with Hollywood, and they're lying. They're joining in on the lies, the serial lies about what's taking place in these states. And so as far as I'm concerned, and I hope the people on Capitol Hill are listening, the Republicans, they can go to hell. I don't care if they tax them to hell. I really don't. Small businesses... Medium businesses that are not getting involved in this fight, they should be protected. They should be segregated out from the rest. There's no reason to have one policy for all of them. And so what's going to happen is these boardrooms and these executives are going to find they have no friends. Because the Democrat Party is out to squeeze them for everything they can get out of them. And the Republicans shouldn't stop them. As I've been saying for years, as I said in Liberty and Tyranny, we need to use the tactics of the left against the left in order to defend our liberty, in order to defend our country, and in order to defend our property. And we can do so by embracing our principles. But we have to get wise strategically and tactically. That's the key. That's what I keep talking about. I've talked about Cloward and Pivens, over and over and over again over the years, and have explained these two Marxist professors, a married couple, and then Cloward's gone, Pivens is still around. What they talked about, what they wrote about. Saul Linsky, I've talked about how I knew nothing about Saul Linsky. I told you this 19 years ago, about how there were boxes and boxes of his book. Rules for Radicals, which I never heard of before, and I'm 22, 23, I walk into this government building in the Reagan administration, and this building 
among other things, is the headquarters for the VISTA program and the Peace Corps program. And there's boxes and boxes of these books. And I said, who the hell is this guy? And I read him. I said, oh, my God. Your tax dollars, you're buying paperback copies of this book, and you're sending them into our inner cities. They were sending them into our inner cities through the VISTA program and other programs. A Marxist revolution. And we've talked about the contents of the book, and I've included aspects of that book in my various books as well, to point it out. We can't be docile anymore. We can't be passive anymore. We can't play defense. They are revolutionaries, and we're sitting around trying to defend ourselves or just living our lives. That can't go on anymore. Because they keep picking a fight with us. Now, the mostly peaceful protesters who are again rioting in this town outside of Minneapolis, police have now seized three guns from them. Three guns. No guns were seized, not one, on January 6th. Not one gun. Three guns have been seized. Three. Three. How come Joe Biden doesn't talk about that, Mr. Gun Control? Not a word. Not a word from the gun control freaks. Or the fact that Mr. Wright, the reason he had an arrest warrant on, because he had, among other things, aggravated assault, aggravated robbery, aggravated how? He had an unregistered gun. I thought Joe Biden didn't want unregistered guns on the street. He also choked a woman twice. A woman. And yet he's, he's the new hero. You got this lawyer, Crump, who is a liar. He gets out there and says, look, he was executed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you saw that video. Was he executed? No, he resisted arrest. And you can hear on the video, she pulled the wrong weapon. What are we supposed to do? Resign ourselves to the rioting? Resign ourselves to the demagogues, whether they have law degrees or not? It's preposterous. It's time to re-image, all right. It's time to re-image the criminals, the criminal lawyers, and the court system that allows this to persist. I don't know what's going to happen in the case with the police officer, Chauvin, in the the Floyd George case, George Floyd case, excuse me, but I will tell you this, if there, is, there are several bases for appeal thanks to this judge in this case. You don't let relatives on who are crying and telling you about George. That's not probative of anything. Or witnesses who don't witness a lot. Or I don't know what this judge was thinking. He didn't sequester the jury. You've got a bizarre situation here. I haven't talked about this much, but just a footnote. Where the individual in the car, the individual in the car with George Floyd, apparently his drug dealer, uh, has pled the fifth. So I was talking with an ex-prosecutor buddy of mine. He says, that's easy to get around. The prosecution in the case gives him immunity of one form or another. And they can force him to testify. But the prosecution hasn't done that. Why? Because they don't want him to testify. 
Now, it's very hard to be able to have due process when prosecutors are doing something like that. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. This would be very tough for, uh, for that former police officer. But the rules are the rules, and there's due process. And that's why we have judges. Those jurors are watching what's taking place in the right case. You got to wonder how they can't be influenced. Well, so I'll comment on these things because I call them as I see them. Whether it's the court, whether it's immigration, whether it's these various cases. We've got conservatives who are saying, well, we, you see, the system works because ex-officer Potter was, in fact, charged with second-degree manslaughter. Not one of them has actually read the Minnesota Code and that section that applies to second-degree manslaughter. That was an utterly bogus charge. Utterly bogus charge. I know this upsets some people who see everything through the lens of race. But that language and those elements and that charge don't match what took place. Not only that, they bring the charge within 48 hours. So there was no serious investigation that was undertaken. Meanwhile, you're looking at, you look at the Washington, D.C. situation... We're a police officer. We don't even know who he is or which or which, which law enforcement agency employed him. Shot to death an unarmed protester. We don't know the circumstances. We don't know anything. And nobody wants to know. No big deal. No big deal. She was a veteran. And they try and make her out like a QAnon kook, which she was not. By all accounts, she was a lovely young woman who loved her country and was a patriot. She was utterly unarmed. She didn't have a warrant out for her arrest. She wasn't resisting anyone or anything. She wasn't threatening anybody. She was unarmed. How is it we know absolutely nothing about that case? Nothing. And the FBI and the Department of Justice have decided that the officer in the case, whomever he or she is, will not be charged after a thorough investigation. There was no thorough investigation with Officer Potter. No thorough investigation. They couldn't wait to charge her. That's what's going on in America today. The mob. Now, what's the greatest threat to the Supreme Court today? What's the greatest threat to the Supreme Court today? Is it the crowd from January 6th? No. Well, what is it? It's the mob inside the Capitol building. They call themselves Democrats. The fact that a number of them support a bill to alter the makeup of the United States Supreme Court for no other purpose than to affect the outcome of cases. If that's not Joseph Stalin's Soviet Union, I don't know what the hell is. I don't know what it is. 
What is it that they want to do? Well, they want all power. That's what. And you heard Ed Markey. Ed Markey should be wearing a uniform for the old Soviet Union. Really, he should. He'd be more comfortable there than he is here. Because Ed Markey said, the Republicans stole two of those seats and we're just trying to fix it. So I would ask his media friends, does that not incite anything? Does that not incite anything? When a United States senator gets up and says two Supreme Court seats were stolen. Or how about in the past when the Democrats get up and say Trump stole the election because he colluded with the Russians. Does that incite anything? We have insurrections going on in this country every night. With Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and the common criminals in the streets attacking small business people, many of whom are minorities, attacking police officers, undermining the civil society and authority of all kinds. You're not hearing a lot of complaints from the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN or MSNBC or CBS, ABC, NBC. Not a lot. Not like the day-in, day-out coverage of January 6th. Did the Democrats seem upset about any of this to you, Mr. Producer? America, do the Democrats seem upset by the riots, by the looting, by the arson, by the outrageous accusations? Not one bit. Because there's some commonality between the Democrat Party and the rioters. You see, the rioters are more honest than the Democrat Party. They're out there. They're committing crimes. They're violent. But inside the Capitol building, we have the others. The politicians are making war with the Senate. They want to stuff the Senate with four more seats. Making war against separation of powers in the United States Supreme Court. They want to control the court, turn it into one of their Politburo's. They want to destroy the procedures that have been around forever in the United States Senate. So nothing and no one can get in their way, whether it's 50-50 or not. So who's doing more damage, actually, to our constitutional system? Who's doing more damage? As outrageous as the rioters are, and they all should be rounded up and thrown in jail and sit there for a long time after their arraignment. We'll get around to you, pal, when we get around to you. But it's the Democrats in Congress. They're a greater threat to our Constitution, to the independence of our court system, to the sovereignty of our country. I'll be right back. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. 
Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. So start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Now, this is all strategic on the court. It's not like these left-wing Democrats misfire and all of a sudden Pelosi pulls it back and then the commission's there, independent and so forth. You have this uh, congressman, Kahana, who suggests term limits instead of court packing. Now, I was one of the first in in, uh, Men in Black to suggest term limits. And I believe in term limits, but not under these circumstances. Because the Democrat Party wants to use term limits in order to pack the court. I don't believe in that. There needs to be term limits in a neutral environment. So if they start quoting me, even Mark Levin says, understand, do I support term limits? Yes. I've said it at least three times in in, uh, seven or eight different books, but not under these circumstances. And the Liberty Amendments was, I think, the most recent time, or Plunder and Deceit, where I raised it again. 14-year limits. But I don't believe in that, given Joe Biden and given the Democrat Party and what their motives are. So no, not right now, not under these circumstances. The Democrat Party's diabolical. It's that simple. You can see the Democrat Party is using every instrumentality of our country, not just the government, but the private sector, in a bums rush, or I should say a Marxist rush, to take permanent control. Through H.R., one and S1, they want to destroy their political opponents. Through immigration, they want to change the nature of the citizenry. And have more red states turn purple and purple states turn blue. And their focus right now is on Texas. There's an enormous amount of illegal immigration pouring into the state of Texas. And the state's doing everything it can with its limited resources. Remember, they're not the Border Patrol to try and deal with it. But federal law preempts, and I believe that is exactly what they're up to. At least that's my view. And then you look at other aspects of what they're doing. Why do they want to pay $15,000 for illegal aliens in New York? Why do you think? Why do they want to eliminate $50,000 in student loans? Why do you think? They're buying support. They're buying votes with your money. They're trying to extend their base. One of the things they never do is promote individual liberty, unalienable rights, American sovereignty, because they don't believe in America. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. 
now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, Let me ask you this question, ladies and gentlemen. If the Democrats succeed in eliminating the filibuster rule, and you know, we're always one election away from this now. I want you to keep that in mind. Even if they don't accomplish it this time around, or the next time around, or the next time around, they've already told us. They're not playing by the rules. If they ever get a majority, like 51 or more, and the House and the presidency, they're telling us it's over. It's over. That's how serious this is. So it may not happen now. It could be two years, four years, eight years. We don't know. But they want to rewrite, recreate the system. They are self-righteous. They are narcissistic. They believe the system, the system doesn't really deserve to be saved, 1619 Project and all. In other words, they believe their own crap. But we'll save that part that we like, that serves our purposes. That's where we are right now. But if they succeed in eliminating the filibuster rule, I have a question for you folks. Why do we need a United States Senate? One of the reasons they say they want to get rid of the filibuster rule is because it's anti-democratic. Well, of course, we have a republic, don't we? And when you read the Constitution, you see various forms of supermajorities for various things, don't you? And you have checks and balances and all these other things that are intended to prevent both the concentration of power and a mob, a pure democracy. They didn't want a parliamentary system. But if that's where we're headed, why keep the Senate? Why are there two senators from every state, regardless of size, population, geography, everything? Why? Now, I'm not proposing this. I'm just asking the question. Why have a United States Senate? The argument these senators are making on the left is the argument for their own elimination. For their own extinction. If that's the argument... And if they really believe in pure democracy, then why not allow states to leave the republic? If a majority of the people vote in a state that they want to secede, should that be allowed? I mean, we need to know what the rules are here now, folks. We need the blueprint. What's in and what's out. It can't just be whatever helps them. That can't be the rule. So as you can see, they're destroying our country. That's what they're doing. They are a poison. And so almost every day we have to discuss what it is that they're trying to do to undermine the nation. That's the Democrat Party, the enemy of the people, the enemy of the country as far as I'm concerned. But if you're going to get rid of the filibuster rule, then we don't need the United States Senate. There's no point. It's not a deliberative body anymore. It's just a weird body that's not representative of any particular district. The numbers are out of whack. Two senators from California, two senators from Delaware. 
It doesn't make sense unless you have a republic. But if you're going to eliminate the Republican parts of the republic and just keep the Senate, no. I say no to that. All right. We're going to have a gentleman on, senior writer from National Review, Dan McLaughlin, in just a moment. I want to lay out the case. He, he has a brilliant article. Who the hell is Mondaire Jones? It's a freshman. He comes out of nowhere. Mondaire Jones, ladies and gentlemen, wants to add four Supreme Court justices. Wow, Mondaire Jones? Wow. Well, as Mondaire goes, so goes the nation. All right, anyway. Over at the Daily Wire, Paul Boys. Netflix, Viacom, Amazon, George Clooney, signed letter opposing voter integrity laws. The Hollywood machine has continued its assault on the state of Georgia over its voter integrity laws. It's like the threats against the Supreme Court. Unfortunately, Republicans are always snookered. Because what's happening today is a purposeful um, strategic move by the Democrats, where you have Nadler and Markey making their proposal, but Pelosi pulling it back and a commission out here. I think Lindsey Graham is exactly right. What they want to do is get people opposed to four justices, but maybe we'll take two. Maybe we'll take three. Maybe we'll take term limits. Again, I support term limits. I've written extensively about term limits, but not here and now, not given the diabolical and unconscionable nature of the Democrat Party. No. No. Anyway, so we have these corporations, George Clooney, George Lucas, David Geffen, all the usuals, who are demanding and are prepared to threaten economic and financial sanctions that the Republican Party surrender to the Democrat Party. That's the bottom line. The Democrats are using corporate America and corporate America using the Democrats because they're not capitalists, none of them. They're corporatists. And they believe the Democrat Party has the high hand right now. And by supporting this, the Democrat, uh, the excuse me, the corporations are carrying favor, and they expect favors in return. I would add this: they also think they're virtue sing- uh, uh, signaling. You see, look, we signed the letter, and we're against what's going on in Georgia, even though there's nothing wrong with what's going on in Georgia, any more than Delaware or New York, or the rest of it. No, 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 no. doesn't matter. Facts are irrelevant. Stats are irrelevant. It's Jim Crow. We know because the Democrats keep repeating themselves. It must be Jim Crow because Joe Biden keeps saying Jim Crow. And by the way, that would be three letters, J-I-M, Joe, just to remind you. But they're also virtual, uh, uh, virtue signaling. Why? Many of these companies do business with a regime that is slaughtering people because of their faith and their race. Communist China. They have concentration camps. They're rounding people up every day. There's ethnic cleansing taking place in Communist China. There are companies that have done business there, are doing business there, want to expand business there, want to go there. Among them, you can see you have Apple and so forth. 
So they can sign a letter. It's very easy. Put out a statement. You know what's going on in Georgia? We believe that voters should be able to vote. This is voter suppression. Even though it's not, doesn't matter. This is a corporate decision they're making. A corporate decision. It's not a moral decision. It's not an ethical decision. It's a corporate decision. Corporations have been known to get in bed with fascists and Marxists before, but all right. So when you raise the fact that that Apple has done business in the most horrific regime on the face of the earth in terms of the number of people that it slaughters and enslaves and tortures and so forth, they can say, but look at Georgia. Look at Georgia. Look at us. We're just as righteous as can be. Look how moral we are. But what about China? No, look at Georgia. Look over there. Look over there. And I want to discuss this with Dan McLaughlin from National Review. The title of his piece is The Party in Power is Directing a Corporate Conspiracy Against Its Political Opposition. It says the president and his party's lawyer, and we'll talk about him too, Mark Elias, are urging multiple major corporations to combine to restrain trade for the purpose of making it harder for its political opposition to win elections and using lies to restrict the president's democratically elected critics from actually passing laws. If we saw this in another country, we would recognize it as a menacing step. No, I think we'd recognize it as autocracy, a.k.a. tyranny. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Dan McLaughlin, Cedar Rider, National Review. How are you, sir? Glad to be here. Um, you wrote quite a piece here. I thought you really nailed it. The party in power is directing a corporate conspiracy against its political opposition. Can you summarize your point? And then I want to shift over to the the slip and fall lawyer, if I may say, who's kind of in charge of these operations. Yeah, so there was a meeting over the weekend um, uh, of a bunch of uh, you know, heads of corporations and senior executives, uh, which kind of petered out, actually, but uh, very much on the table, and we'll see if there's anything else that comes of it, was a proposal to use essentially a boycott or, or disinvestment from Georgia 
uh, as a pressure point by all of these very major corporations to try to force the Georgia legislature and the Georgia governor to back down from their election law. Uh, and I think that it's really it's really a very disturbing turn in corporate America's relationship with American democracy. And why is that? Well, look, corporations have free speech, right? And I think, you know, you and I believe that, that, that a corporation can, it can run ads, it can run its own publications and websites, it can hire lobbyists in some circumstances, it can even donate to certain types of campaigns. But, but it's an entirely different thing when a corporation uses its power uh, in the market to try to, you know, issue threats and dictates to a state government about how it can govern its people, how it can pass laws that are popular. And it goes another step further when you have a bunch of corporations conspiring together. That starts to look like something that gets you into dangerous territory under the federal and state antitrust laws. Um, And it becomes even more dangerous when those groups of corporations are more or less doing so because they're being told to do so by the party in power. Now, you say they're being told to do so, and I want the American people to understand there is a point man in charge of this who's organizing this, who is encouraging these corporations to work with the Democrat Party to blunt uh, Republican efforts to basically survive in these states. Who is that individual, and what can you tell us about him? Yeah, so this is this is a matter of putting two and two together, right? Because the Democrats originally, some of the politicians, even President Biden with uh, Major League Baseball's boycott of uh, the All-Star Game in Atlanta, uh, originally got out there and said, well, you know, we, we support uh, putting pressure on Georgia. And then I think they realized that it was kind of politically dangerous for them to be seen doing that. Um, but into the breach steps Mark Elias, who is uh, essentially the lawyer representing – Uh, I mean, he has represented just about everybody in the whole Democratic Party, every organization of the party, uh, the last several Democratic presidential candidates, et cetera. Um, So this is a guy who, when he speaks, people quite reasonably think, well, he's kind of talking for the party. Wasn't he also Uh, involved in the uh, dossier and all that stuff? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He was he and his his law firm and they were paid. I think I forget if it was something like four hundred thousand dollars to be involved in the the steel dossier. So, um, you know, so this is a guy who is, you know, look, he he is the Democrats all purpose kind of go to lawyer um, for a lot of different things. And and not just for sort of one simple principled stance. But, you know, I mean, he, he has challenged elections on grounds of fraud. And on grounds of, you know, well, the, the voting machines stole the election and that sort of thing. So it's not just he's not just a, oh, standing up for voting rights guy. Right. So he put, he has this website, a uh, blog uh, and, and website, Democracy Docket. And so he posted something on on Friday saying the business community must act. Right. And laying out in detail steps that he thought companies could and should take uh, to put pressure on Georgia, you know, and a list of other Republican-run states to change or avoid changing their uh, election laws. And it seems more than a little coincidental that he was writing this on Friday, you know, with this meeting coming up among all these corporations on Saturday, um, and at a time when it was becoming politically a little more difficult for the politicians themselves to be out front you know, giving these kind of directions. It's 
It's an amazing thing also that the politicians are getting a little nervous, but then the corporations are stepping up. Um, and what's in it for them is, in addition to what you say here, I mean, they're really becoming an appendage of the Democrat Party. And when the Democrat Party runs the government, uh, you have, as you kind of point out, a very ugly and troublesome collusion between massive corporations and a massive government to silence their opponents, to silence their opponents. I don't know that this has ever been done so uh, effectively and so well organized like this before. Nothing comes to mind. Does it to you? Uh, well, sort of, but not in America, I guess is what yeah. I would say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not in America. And these corporations, I think, are playing with fire, don't you? Because they're turning off half the country. And at some point, there could be pushback, both from Republicans uh, elected in legislatures and in Congress, but from the public, too. I mean, the public's going to start to want to know, okay, that's a Democrat company. I'm not doing business with that company. Yeah, and that's exactly why a combination of companies acting together is dangerous, right? Because if one company, you know, Major League Baseball, and look, I'm a huge baseball fan. I've been a baseball writer for years. But, you know, Major League Baseball really made themselves a target by sticking their necks out here. And so you can see a lot of these companies saying, well, you know what, maybe the public, maybe voters will boycott us. back if we get out there. But if we all go together, well, they can't boycott everybody at once. They can't boycott, you know, Amazon and Google and and Twitter and and Starbucks and, uh, you know, and what have you. There's so Mm -hmm. many of them. Uh, They're so big, you can't fight them all. Um, I mean, Coca-Cola, for example, they put out this statement. The the companies all put out this statement that's supposed to be running as a, uh, you know, an ad in the newspapers. And uh, Coca-Cola backed away from it because they're you know, they're very heavily in Georgia. They've been in Georgia forever. I mean, they were in Georgia, frankly, when, when you know, when the voting laws really were very terrible in Georgia. Um, but I think they realize that uh, they can't just totally burn their bridges with the state that they've been in all these years. And so they, they kind of put out this sort of wishy-washy statement saying, well, you know, uh, maybe we should all try to get everybody to work together. Well, I'll tell you this. The corporations are getting hammered in the proposals uh, coming out of the White House on taxes and regulations and and all the rest of it. And I think uh, Republicans, and I've been saying this behind the microphone here, well, that's their problem. That's their problem now. They, there's no reason to defend them. If they're going to surrender capitalism and free market competition and entrepreneurship, why the hell do I care? I mean, I understand down the road prices go up for the average consumer and so forth, but I'm saying... They just abandoned the people who actually believe in the market system and capitalism and threw, threw in with the socialists, and I would argue the neo-Marxists, the radical wing of the Democrat Party. They made their bed. Let them die in it, as far as I'm concerned. You can separate out big corporations for medium-sized and smaller companies and protect them to the best, as best as you can. Yeah, and I think, you know, look, Republicans, uh, I mean, it is it is always in the best interest of Republicans to be the party of free markets as opposed to specifically the party of big business. But at the end of the day, big business needs the friends of free market to be on its side. And mm-hmm. I think they are going to, you know, there's, there's going to definitely come days in the coming years when they're going to turn to Republicans for friends and they're going to find out that they don't have those friends. You're right. Great piece, Dan. Thanks for coming on the program. Dan McLaughlin, National Review. I'll be right back.
Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. The Epic Times, Mike Lindell, is a great patriot, entrepreneur. Costco has stopped selling MyPillow products. This is uh, uh, Epic Times. My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell said that Costco has stopped selling his products, becoming the latest in a string of retailers to do so. Lindell told the New York Post that Costco has not provided him a reason for the move. According to a search of Costco's website, My Pillow products are not listed. Costco basically did a slow cancellation, slower than the other stores, Lindell said, adding that Costco's decision will cost My Pillow between four and ten million dollars annually. What's more, he said, about 40 sales staff will be affected by the decision. Costco said they were going to discontinue us, but they were going to honor their contract, which I'm not sure what that means, Lindell told the Post. The Epic Times contacted Costco for comment. Previously, the Kirkland, Washington-based retailer told Newsweek that it has contractual commitments to my pillow that we intend to honor as we seek to do with all our suppliers, February, Lindell told the Conservative Political Action Conference that two dozen retailers had pulled his products from their shelves. Sam's Club, Kohl's, Bed Bath & Beyond, Kroger, and J.C. Penney have also reportedly stopped selling MyPillow products. Look, folks, the corporatists have thrown in with the Marxists. And so it's very important that you figure out which is which. There's a lot of businesses out there. And there's a lot of them that are not throwing in with the enemy. Last week, Lindell told the New York Post that a petition with more than 100,000 signatures to urge major retailers to cut ties with the company is the work of bots and trolls, and added he's hired a private investigator. You know, they used to do this to Rush. And these companies would buckle, many of them. But he had a broadcast company, iHeart, that was strong and stood with him and backed him up every step of the way. That's what's required, of course. Tell, and it said, time to tell our major retailers to stop selling his products, the petition says. This petition was put up by companies that are full of bots and trolls, Lindell said on April 7. All they've done is attack retailers. These are hired groups to attack retailers. He's exactly right. But Change.org said that the signatures are authentic and were started by real people. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden is going to raise all your taxes. I'll tell you how. He lies, Joe Biden, so keep that in mind. The guy has like a 60% popularity rate. Do you know that, Mr. Producer? The American people could really understand what he's doing. But, of course, we have the press, and we know what the press is. Have you seen your gasoline prices go up? Yes, you have. They've gone up significantly, according to the federal government's own statistics. It's driving prices up. And this is just the first 90 to 100 days of this administration. Wait till they really get their footing. And the EPA is out of control But they're going to drive up prices, and when you have increase in energy prices, you have an increase in all prices, because everything's related to energy, everything. 
food, drink, transportation, home building products, everything is related to energy. And energy prices are beginning the first part of what looks like a soar. That is, they're going to soar. And also the taxes that they're going to impose will increase the price of production, even by utility companies. So Jen Psaki at the White House press briefing yesterday is confronted about this. Cut eight, go. The president's tax plans, he has said that mm-hmm. individuals, households under $400,000 per year aren't going to see their taxes go up. Mm-hmm. Does that also apply to indirect effects from the corporate tax changes that might not technically be tax increases? Look, if an average family of four making under that amount sees their heating bill go up because utility companies increase their rates to accommodate the 28% corporate tax rate. Is that okay or acceptable to the president? You know, because it's not technically a tax increase? Well, I would say that there's no reason uh, that that is what needs to happen. We saw, we have evidence. See, ladies and gentlemen, you're dealing with economic illiterates here. There's no reason that has to happen. When your expenses go up, whether it's for material, whether it is for labor, whatever the reason, insurance, you're not able to digest all of that as a business. You have to pass it on to the consumer so the prices go up. You see what's happening at the gas pump. Now, this isn't rocket science. This is Economics 101. The laws of economics are as certain as the laws of physics. When you do certain things, certain things follow. If you drive up the cost of doing business through confiscatory taxes, then you drive up the cost of consumer products or consumer services. That is a fact, a provable fact. Go ahead. Back in 2017, when Republicans prioritized tax cuts for big corporations... Nobody, you know... Prioritize tax cuts for big corporations. Well, first of all, tax cuts for big corporations, that needs to stop. That needs to stop. They're in bed now with the big taxers and let them stay there. That's number one. Number two, she's a liar. Every time she opens her big mouth, she's a liar. Nobody prioritize tax cuts for big corporations. We can go through the stats we have in the past, but they don't matter. From Jim Crow Joe's spokes idiot. Go ahead. There were many arguments made about what the impact would be. The benefits would be passed on to consumers. They would invest in R&D. There would be jobs created. None of that happened. None of that happened? How does she live with herself? Does she live with herself? I don't know. How does she live with herself? Such a pusillanimous liar. It's just unbelievable. A serial liar. She stands up there. Jobs weren't created. We had massive job growth, massive economic growth. There was reinvestment in R&D. Business were investing again in the United States, not communist China. You saw the growth of the stock market. She just lies. She's like, these are propagandists. These are ideologues. They don't know any other way. So I'll answer the question. The answer is yes. 
Electric bills are going up. So heating bills are going up. Air conditioning bills are going up. Yes, they're going up. Everything related to energy, any kind of energy, except propellers, batteries in your socks. Ever see those, Mr. Producer? You can keep your feet warm with these battery uh, And solar panels, which I'm sure we all have, and I'm sure they're utterly reliable. Ask the state of Texas. Other than that, everything's going up. And it'll affect the price of food. It's going to resonate throughout the economy. That's what the spokes idiot cannot admit. I'll be right back. Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, it got a little heated on uh, Hannity last night. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? I really enjoy watching Hannity's show. 9 p.m. Eastern on Fox. I really do. No, I'm not on tonight. Uh, I'm asked to come on every week by the producers there and other shows, but I've got these projects I'm working on right now, and I have to complete them so I can present them to my audience. First things first, saving the republic. But that said, I very much enjoy Hannity's show. He's got lots of great guests. And, you look, and look who he brought in. Leo Terrell. It's Sean and Leo. I mean, Leo first was coming on Sean's show. And Sean brings in a lot of these great guests. They wind up showing up on other shows there because that's the nature of the beast. But he's a very good eye for, for terrific talent. And I think Leo Terrell is a great patriot. Just a terrific patriot. Anyway, can we take a call? I don't have my call screen up right now, Mr. Producer. Yes, yes. Robert in Virginia, XM Satellite. By the way, you've got quite a uh, Republican. It's not a primary there. It's a, uh, what are they, a convention going on there. Are you aware of that? Uh, a little bit, sir. Not that, not that much. I'm up in the northern pain over here and- Thought I'd give you a call. Go for it. Uh, uh, thanks for taking my call, Mark. Uh, first thing I, I want to say is like, your passion for bringing out the truth continues to be unmatched. And that, listening to you talk to uh, James O'Keefe tonight, it has to boil one's blood if accountability and yep. responsibility has any meaning to them. But what I mean is 
too many influential people in this country who have power and money are paying no price for being wrong or doing wrong. Mm-hmm. People like you mentioned before, Zucker, Zuckerberg, and, and Dorsey, I guess James O'Keefe mentioned tonight, they fail to project any semblance of integrity or moral excellence. And that includes a slew of our government officials in Washington. So mm-hmm. what I want to say is like they never held accountable for lying or fabricating or constantly committing slander or liable. And that's one of the reasons to me that this republic is being torn in half today. I think you make an excellent point. I want to thank you for your call, my friend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one hour left. Very powerful hour. How do I know? Because I'm here. I know what I'm doing. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, Virginia has these off-year elections. I'm watching some of these commercials on television, America. There's two businessmen running and a conservative state senator. Uh, her last name is Chase. And then uh, one of the businessmen, his name is Snyder. Another one's name is Youngkin. And, of course, they're all conservatives, um, although I suppose uh, one or the other suggests one's not. I'm not going to get into this and endorse one over the other, but I will say this. They're all impressive, and they're going to need to be, because they're probably going to go up against, uh, oh, what's that idiot's name? Terry McAuliffe. He wants to be governor again. In Virginia, you get one term and then you're out. But that's not enough for him. He's going to spend a lot of money. Just by looking at the commercials, I don't see Chase commercials, so I guess she doesn't have the funds, which is understandable. These, these other gentlemen are businessmen. But Snyder and Youngkin are also very impressive. But this fellow Glenn Youngkin, I haven't talked to any of them. I don't know anybody that knows him. I'm not involved in this. But I watch his commercials. They're very good commercials. That is, uh, not only just are they very professional, but he's really tapping into some very important conservative issues. They all are. I'm just telling you what's sort of drawing my attention. So it'll be very interesting to see what comes out of the convention, the Republican convention. Uh, I don't know if the delegates are already sort of predetermined as to who they're going to vote for. I hope they have an open mind one way or another, with all three of them. So I'm not trying to improve the circumstances of one or destroy the circumstances or another. I'm just pointing out what I'm watching on television, uh, how effective his commercials are. All right, I want to talk about a couple other things here. This show, for me, goes by so fast. I told you I could use five hours here. 
Five hours here. You probably don't want to hear five hours, but I kind of do. There's this organization called the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statescraft. And our buddy Adam Crato did a piece on this in the Free Beacon not too long ago. And it's one of these groups set up by billionaires, and it's set up by George Soros and Charles Koch. Now, George Soros is, we know who George Soros is. He's a Mr. Evil. He's diabolical. He tries to bring down the currency so he can enrich himself even beyond his current status. Charles Koch used to be a patriot. He used to fight the left and the Democrats. But extreme libertarians can be whack jobs. And he now fits into the category of a whack job. And um, there's a group, Credo explains, a top official at the Quincy Institute for Responsible States Grip. Basically, this is an appeasement operation, in my personal view. That's how I would interpret it. Um, an isolationist operation. You see, the choice isn't between isolationist and interventionist. There are rational positions you can hold that don't fill one or the other position. This is irrational. A top official at the Quincy Institute, which is funded by Soros and Koch, for responsible statescraft is claiming the Israeli lobby in the United States is waging a coordinated effort to scuttle the Biden administration's renewed diplomacy with Iran. There is a perverse love affair between what I call the neo-appeasers, the neo-appeasers, and they're in both parties. They're in both parties. Some of them even dress up as conservatives. The neo-appeasers, there's something very strange about their association with, with uh, with these individuals. They're claiming the Israeli lobby in the United States. They're associated, they're, they're, they're sort of love affair with Iran. Oh, it's not a love affair. No, no, it's not a love affair. Iran is our enemy. As I pointed out the other day, we watch these commercials of these magnificent charities and these just incredible heroes who've lost limbs. And people are paying their mortgages. People are building homes for them. People want to help them. Many of them lost those limbs at the hands of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, the Iranians. The explosive devices that they used in Iraq to attack our guys. Under what circumstances, in what way, on what basis whatsoever can you have an affinity for or defend even loosely, that regime. So the Israelis, you see, they want to defend themselves against the Iranians who have threatened over and over again to nuke Israel. You see, the Israelis are trying to prevent the Iranians from getting nuclear weapons because they want to uh, undermine Joe Biden. Now, does that make sense to anybody here? Joe Sirincion. C-I-R-I-N-C-I-O-N-E. Serencioni, a distinguished non-resident fellow at Quincy, claimed during an MSNBC interview last week that special interest groups controlled by the Israeli government are surreptitiously working to undermine the Biden administration's efforts to rejoin the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran. 
There's the Israeli lobby in Washington that's very effective, that's pressing against a new deal. He told MSNBC host Mehendi Hassan. Oh, Mehendi Hassan. Sirincioni, if I mispronounced his name, it's not intentional, but who cares, was likely referring to pro-Israel American-based groups that work to strengthen ties between the two allies. Many of these advocacy groups oppose the nuclear deal and sanctions relief for Iran due to the threat it poses to Israel. Sirincioni's claim that these groups are controlled by the Israeli government is inaccurate, part of a larger effort by the Jewish state's detractors to portray American Jews as more loyal to Israel than America. The Quincy Institute, an isolationist think tank bankrolled by Soros and Koch, has repeatedly come under fire for promoting experts who parrot anti-Semitic talking points and other narratives that paint Jewish Americans as warmongers. The think tank also has been at the forefront of efforts to support the Biden administration's negotiations with the regime in Iran. Serencion and Quincy Executive Vice President Trita Parsi served as key cogs in the former Obama administration's self-described pro-Iran echo chamber, which disseminated false and misleading information about the Iranian accord. Serencion went on to claim that Israel's moving toward a full-scale war with Iran. Maybe they are. Israel is threatening that again, Serencion said. Israel thinks that they not only want to stop the Iran nuclear program, they want to overthrow the government of Iran. They have support from Saudi Arabia and, of course, the GOP here who opposes any foreign policy success by the Biden administration. You've heard this tripe and this pablum and this disinformation regurgitated on every single cable channel. It's the Jewish conspiracy. And now the Jews are conspiring, uh, conspiring with the Saudi Arabians, can, if you can believe that. And their focus is to undermine the Biden administration. Serencioni continued his attacks on Israel Monday morning when he accused the Jewish state of undermining its alliance with the United States by launching strikes on Iranian terrorists and the regime's illicit forces in the region. He formally helmed the Plowshares Fund, a progressive foundation that bankrolled multiple organizations and boosted the Obama White House's campaign to sell the nuclear agreement in 2015. Well, we know from Ben Rhodes, the deputy director of the National Security Council, that they lied through and through, that they, uh, they were propagandists through and through, that they had the media in their back pocket. He bragged about it in a Washington Post piece which I put in Unfreedom of the Press to demonstrate how the media and the left work together. That led then-Representative Mike Pompeo to launch an investigation into Serencione and his group's efforts to slant reporting on the deal and misinform the American people. Serencione did not return a request for a comment in time for publication from the Free Beacon. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, we have nothing to fear from the communist Chinese or fascistic Putin or the terrorists in the Palestinian territories. Nothing to fear from the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. Nothing to fear from North Korea. It's the Jews. Now really, Soros and Koch, how much are you paying this guy? 
I mean, that old line, you don't have to pay him a lot. That old line is spewed by anti-Semites all the time. I don't know why. What, is he on the payroll just to say stuff like that? And, of course, we don't want the Biden administration to look bad, right? Because if they look bad and they do stupid things, it's the Jews who've done it. This is a problem, folks. And so many of you are righteous, right, are righteous in your support of this country. And I mean this in a very positive way. In the support of Israel. But this is beyond that. This is how, how twisted some people are when they push this sort of thing. And while I'm on this subject, let's see here, what did I do with it? You know, I've got to give a hat tip to, uh, to Bill Haggerty of Tennessee. Bill Haggerty of Tennessee. Here's a headline from the Epic Times, which is an outstanding site, by the way, that the communist Chinese are desperately trying to destroy. Republican senators want FBI to investigate Biden's key Pentagon nominee. 18 GOP senators are asking FBI Director Christopher Wray, going to have to wake him the hell up first, to open an investigation of President Biden's key Pentagon nominee to find out whether he solicited or disclosed classified information after his tenure with the Obama administration. Now, who are they talking about? The senators do not want the nomination of Colin Kahl, K-A-H-L, for Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, to advance for a full vote until the FBI has completed an investigation. Let's hope the same clown Republicans who voted for Wendy Sherman to be Deputy Secretary of State don't throw in with the Democrats with this guy Colin Cull. Think about the people Biden's appointing, how radical they are. At the State Department, at the Defense Department, at the Justice Department, around him at the White House. It's like, please, I want the most crackpot, left-wing, knucklehead kooks I can possibly get. And that's what he's doing. We believe an FBI investigation is warranted, given Kyle's evasive written response on March 23 regarding Twitter posts by Kyle in which he appeared to publicly disclose classified information and expressly state that he had received classified information from officials in the executive branch. And the senators asked the FBI director to specifically propose, uh, excuse me, probe his Twitter posts. The senators wrote, we also have subsequently discovered additional Twitter posts by Carl that deserve greater scrutiny. The letter was signed by Tom Cotton, John Cornyn, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Marsha Blackburn, Steve Daines, Tom Tillis, Mike Braun, Roger Wicker, Roger Marshall. Cynthia Loomis, Rick Scott, Joni Ernst, Tommy Tuberville, Josh Hawley, James Lankford, and Cindy Hyde-Smith. Why haven't all the Republicans signed this? And how about some of the Democrats? Are they so in the tank because of which team they're on? Don't they care about any of this? Apparently not. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. So the question is, will the Anti-Defamation League, which is thrown in with the Democrat Party, Greenblatt, the one that runs uh, the Anti-Defamation League, was a hack for the Obama administration, and how he becomes the head of the ADL when he, had, when, when he worked for the president who was the worst president uh, when it come, comes to really everything. Well, maybe this guy Biden is now, but when it comes to Israel. Will the Anti-Defamation League call on MSNBC hosts for having on this guy from Quincy and the anti-Semite comments about the Israel lobby. Will they? Will you MSNBC? No, you won't. You're a bunch of creeps. I mean, how could they? They have Sharpton on there. They have Sharpton on there. How could they possibly make him a host? Then they got Joy Reid on there. Wow. Of course she was homophobic. But she really didn't post that stuff. No, no, no. Somebody else did. We're still trying to find them. Still trying to find them. All right, let's take a couple of calls here. We have good callers. Finally got into my call screen. Let us go to Steve, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go, sir. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Mark? Okay. It is an absolute pleasure to listen to you each night. Thank you. And I just wanted to express my disappointment in how much of my 30 years in law enforcement and securing this country from undercover drug interdiction and just security threats Mm -hmm. has been thrown in the trash so quickly and easily by an administration that doesn't really care about security or the population. Nope. It used to be that both parties, no matter how much they differed, at least were concerned about the people of the United States. And their differences were only in how to go about that. Now we have a clear red line between enemies of the people and patriots. And thank you for bringing that out each night. Well, your point is very uh, well put. And uh, I want to thank you for your service. And it is, in part, what I've been saying for a very, very long time. I hope Jonathan Tubin's listening. And that is that the goal here is to change America's demographics. And the goal here is to change red states to purple, purple to blue. Uh, the Democrats, as I've said, I don't know how many times over the years, if these were Republicans coming across the border or would-be and potential Republican voters, there's no way 
No way they'd allow this to happen. But this is an extremely cynical move. It's worked over the years. Ronald Reagan couldn't even win his own state, as I pointed out over and over again. Uh, And uh, thank you for your call, my friend. Even though there's parrots out there who repeat these things, which I think is very important, and I'm glad they do. Uh, We take the initial risk here in order to call them as we see them. That's exactly what I do. Let's see. Let's go to Teresa. Hubston, North Carolina, the great WHKY. Go. Uh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love your show. Love you. you. Love your sense of humor and love your bumper music. Oh, don't get mad at me. Can you hold on after the bottom of the hour here? I didn't read the clock properly. Sure. All right. We're going to get to Teresa right after the break. Don't go anywhere, and I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We will get back to Teresa shortly, but first, we have a special guest, Congressman Lee Zeldin of New York. How are you, sir? It's always great to be with you. I'm doing well. It is a great pleasure. I hear that you might be running for governor. You might be running in the Republican primary. Is that true? I am. I announced last Thursday for Governor of New York, launched the site at zeldonfornewyork.com, and uh, had a good announcement. There's announcement videos on the website. We raised over $1 million just in the first day. The support is out there from around this state. You don't have to tell me others, but have others jumped in as well? Uh, no one has. No one else has announced. And before I decided to get in the race, I called all 62 Republican county chairs uh, across the state just to make sure that everybody was focused, locked in, and supporting this. Because if they wanted to go another direction, that was fine too. Because we had to win. Uh, but we have the support with the Republican Party line, and also in New York, we have a conservative party. And I'm feeling pretty good about having their support as well. Yeah, you don't want to blow all your resources in a battle in a primary. Um... So if I endorse you, is that going to help you or hurt you? I would love to have an endorsement from the great one. Are you kidding me? Well, I endorse you because you're fantastic, and you've been a fantastic congressman. You've been, you've been a uh, defender of liberty. You've actually walked the walk, not just uh, talked the talk. So you have my unequivocal endorsement. We'd love to see you oh, as the governor crazy. of New York. Thank you, sir. Now, speaking of New York, 
New York is a mess right now. New York City's a mess. New York State's a mess. The way they've changed the voting laws, what they've done to the city and other communities. Um, uh, it's like everything that should be decided one way is decided another. Now the governor's talking about $15,000 for illegal aliens. Could it get any worse? I mean, I, don't, I think this is like the worst-run state in New York City, the worst-run city in America. Yeah, this is so bad. First time in my lifetime that we're going into a midterm where it's one-party Democratic rule at every level. New York City, Albany, and D.C., as you just pointed out, last week, state budget, huge increase in spending. They created a new tax rate, the new highest income tax rate in the entire country, in order to create a multi-billion dollar fund for people illegally in our country. People are hitting their breaking point. They're fleeing the attacks on their wallets, their safety, their freedoms. They're watching places like Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida and elsewhere where people are able to stretch their dollar further, where they have more prosperity and personal freedoms. And they're saying, why can't we have that here? And they're deciding to go. And really, I'm all in, and there's a whole lot of other people hungry to save the state, feeling like this is a last stand, a last great opportunity to turn things around. But this one-party Democratic rule that we're seeing with the, the violence that goes up, the cashless bail, the defund the police movement, not supporting law enforcement on so many different fronts, kids not yet fully back in school, people had enough. This isn't a red versus blue observation I'm making. This isn't a Democrat on Republican observation amongst the electorate. It's, it's Democratic elected officials who are destroying the city and state. But there are even a, a whole lot of Democrats in New York who are saying, gosh, I don't recognize this party. They've left me. And, and many of them are willing to go a different direction. And I would hope so. Uh, I hope there's enough people left in New York uh, who want to save the state and save the city. Obviously, you believe there are, right? Yeah, and I, I believe so. Now, interestingly enough, when you're, when you're running for mayor of New York City, you have to win New York City. When you're running statewide, you can only lose New York City by 40 points. You need 29% of the vote. And you have Republicans in New York City. You look at a place like Staten Island, one of the five boroughs where you know, we should be able to get well into the mid to high 60s at least. And there are other places. Don't we look at Brooklyn and Queens as blue counties? But there are are pockets of voters. And then there are others like uh, the Orthodox Jews and uh, there are Indian Americans who are conservative. And there's a group of Asian Americans. They're conservative. These people are registered Democrats because that's what you do in New York City. But they're upset with the way – they're not blaming Republicans for this. They're upset with the way Democrats and the far-left Democrats are destroying this city. What what a huge opportunity lost in Queens when AOC and her pals end up blocking a huge investment that was coming in from Amazon and other businesses are watching it. Why would they want to move their business to New York if they're going to get treated like that? Or or why would people want to stay in the city if you can't walk your dog and go around the block without feeling a a fear for your own personal safety uh, and not having the ability to defend yourself? Uh, So I I think that this isn't just about Republicans who for a long time were voting the right way. I think this is also about Democrats who realize that this lack of balance uh, and and giving outsized power to self-described socialists means only more trouble in the future if we don't make a change. Yeah, you know, you have to believe there's a lot of liberals, even those who live in the city. I'm not talking about the whack jobs. There's got to be a lot of liberals who, who look at this and are appalled by what's going on, that they don't 
embrace AOC. They don't embrace de Blasio. They, they, they're used to voting Democrat, but maybe they'll try something different this time around, because you're going to need those kind of voters, aren't you? Yeah, and on top of it, they are embarrassed by the governor. The governor has disgraced him. and They feel the pain of thousands of New York seniors who died as a result of Andrew Cuomo's nursing home order, and then he chooses to cover it up. says he didn't have enough time to provide the information on what took place, but he did have time to chase a multi-million dollar self-congratulatory book deal and take home an Emmy. They've seen all of the different abuse allegations that have followed, including having his family get tested at private residence by state health department officials and then having the samples moved to the front of the line at the state labs. So they're seeing the policies driving them out of their homes and their communities, uh, but they're also seeing, as you point out, from de Blasio and from Cuomo, elected officials who are abusing this power. And Andrew Cuomo's been there too long. It's time for him to go. Andrew Cuomo's the last one to get that memo. But New York voters, if Andrew Cuomo somehow miracles himself onto the ballot in November 2022, I'm convinced this is the end of his run. Is it? I'm no expert on the politics in New York, but I'm just curious. Do we know who might challenge him or if he doesn't run, who might make a run at it other than the lieutenant governor whose name escapes everybody? I think that there's a, a, a good chance that if Andrew Cuomo isn't in the running, that the Attorney General, uh, Tish James, might be the favorite. She's from New York City. She has a base of support in the city. You mentioned the Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, who no one really knows who she is, and she's from uh, western New York in Buffalo. Uh, and you have a whole bunch of other people who are talking about running. And the problem is is that Tish has that lane, that base of support inside of the city, and everyone else will be fighting over the rest of, of these votes. Uh, so I would say if you're, if you're trying to handicap the race and all of those names are battling out in the primary, Tish James probably is the favorite. Uh, but she has her own problems because if you're going to sign up for that far-left AOC, not support a law enforcement, enough, support cashless bail, uh, you now are plagued with all of the other scandals we're talking about. Yes, we're talking about the corruption, the cover-ups, the abuse, harassment uh, with regards to Andrew Cuomo, but we're also talking about the failed liberal policies, and none of these Democrats are any type of moderation from that direction, especially the Attorney General. Now, she reminds me of uh, DeCamio, quite frankly. She's a radical leftist, too, and uh, She'll just bring uh, his policies uh, to Albany. Now, is he thinking of running to Cameo? I think that uh, you know, de Blasio has floated his name, but we've now reached the point in Bill de Blasio's time in office where he can go to a funeral for a fallen NYPD officer and, and 25,000 officers will turn their backs on him. But he can go right down the street to a BLM protest and he's getting booed and they're turning their backs on him. So, I mean, he's left on an island. I don't know of anyone. I, I cannot name for you a single person who still supports Bill de Blasio. So, uh, you know, if he puts his name out there, uh, you know, best of luck in this primary. I'd love to be able to run against you because uh, uh, that couldn't be any easier. Uh, but I, I think even the Democratic Party has realized this guy is, his time, his number was up even before Cuomo's was. If people want to help you, uh, where do they go? What's your website? 
Zeldin for New York dot com. And anyone who wants to help out, if it's whether it's three dollars, whether it's volunteering, you go on social media, help spread the word there. Uh, we have to all be all in here, passionately, emotionally, not taking anything for granted, not wasting a day or an opportunity, talking to everyone for the next year and a half. And I am convinced that as long as we all put this effort in it, this is bigger than me, if we all put this effort into this, we are going to save the state. How about instead of being on defense in red states elsewhere, we go on offense and win blue state right in Chuck Schumer in AOC's backyard? And the site again, the website? Zeldin for New York dot com and New York is spelled out Z E L D I N Zeldin for New York dot com Zeldin for New York dot com. All right, Congressman, we wish you all the best. We'll have you back, and God bless you, sir. Uh, thank you. Take care. All right, you too. Good man, really good man. I think he's one of the few that can save New York from what's happened now. I really believe that they're going to need somebody like this man who fought overseas and a man who was so stellar over the last several years as a member of the House. They're going to need somebody with the guts like this. You are New York, is what I'm saying. And I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Got to get behind. We do some of these great candidates and potential candidates to take this country back, among many other things that are going to require different strategies and tactics. But we have to, t- <coughs> excuse me, we have to take it to the Democrats, including in the blue states. And Zeldin, I think, would be outstanding. I want to go back to Teresa in North Carolina. Teresa, I apologize to you. Are you there? Yes, yes. Don't apologize. I enjoy listening to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Floor is yes, yours. I wanted to uh, uh, talk about something. You're talking about corporatists and the attitudes of companies and everything now. Made me think of something I haven't thought of in a long time. When I was 19, it was 1972, I was working in a factory, and I had not long before moved from California back here to North Carolina. And everybody I worked with made the assumption that I was, you know, like a hippie, liberal type. Mm-hmm. Not me. I'm an ultra-conservative, and I always have been. I, I was raised to have my own thought processes, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, my boss and I would get into discussions, uh, uh, political discussions and everything. 
he was a conservative too, and he gave me a gift, and it was, well, it was something that he had received 15 years previous to that, somewhere in that area. And it was a book that was sponsored by Gillette, you know, the razor blade company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, actually, the, I can't remember, I have it here packed away as a collectible, but I don't remember who author who was the author was. All right. But it had a letter that came with it, and the name of the book was "You Can Trust the Communists," and it was you know you can trust communists to be communist thing. Mm-hmm. It talked about didactic materialism and taking two steps forward and one step back. All the things we know, you know, we used to know right. the communists were like. Well, I was curious if. Gillette still had this corporate mindset, or has it changed along with everybody else? I thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. and I remembered that. I remember reading the book in a long time, 50 years, but it just struck me. Well, you're right on. You're right on. And we're in for a hell of a battle here. But we can't, we've got to be resolute, because one of the things that Marxists do, Teresa, is they try and dispirit us, and just, so we throw up our, our hands and our arms, and we say, all right, that's it, we can't do anything about this. So what's going to have to happen now is many, many more of us are going to have to become activists in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods, in our own way, in our own communities. And we're going to be talking about this all summer, because... When you consider the men and women who've died for this country, whether in the military or law enforcement, and what's being done to them now, and uh, I'm just not going to participate in giving up this country so easily to this mob. This mob, that's all it is. This mob, this mob that's in our schools with the uh, teachers' union, what a disgrace. The mobs, the Marxist mobs, the, uh, the tenured Marxist professors, the fools are in the media. Um, we cannot just surrender this magnificent country. All these men and women who, who died for this country, we simply cannot surrender to the reprobates, the miscreants, and the malcontents. And I'm not planning on doing it. So I hope you will all stick with me. Uh, we are going to engage. It's going to take a long time, but I don't care. And, Teresa, I want to thank you for your call. God bless you. You sound like a terrific lady. I'm quite serious about this, ladies and gentlemen. If these damn major corporations want to line up with the other side, then let them line up with the other side. And there's going to be pushback and there's going to be a reaction to this. They can organize all the letters they want. They can lie with the best of them. But now they've made their bed, and they've made their bed with, with Marxists. Oh, they don't claim to be Marxists, but they're Marxists. They're going to have the tax. They're going to be taxed like hell. They're going to be regulated like hell. And they can go to hell. I'll sit here and I will defend true capitalism and capitalists. Small businesses and medium businesses. I want to salute all you heroes out there. Police officers, hang in there. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.